So, I just, <laughs> we've been working through James, and it's been quite a, uh, quite a first couple of weeks, and we've learned quite a lot, and James has really challenged us to really think about where we stand, and today is another challenge. It's, um, it's one that if I'm being perfectly honest, if I were to, to raise my hand and say, this is the place where I'm the weakest, today's the day. I am the chief sinner among all sinners in this area, and I'll tell you, um, one of the things that kind of comes along with your spiritual gifts, and you'll learn this as you learn what your spiritual gifts are, is there's, there's sometimes a, um, there's a, there's a good side. God uses those spiritual gifts to, to build the church and to build other people, but there's also a shadow side to every gift where, where you're using it in your own flesh, your own human weakness, that it can become a problem. And so for people who uh, talk for a living, who get up in front of people and share truth, the good side is that we can build the church and we can build other people. The bad side is that we can shred people and we can tear people down. And some of you guys are like, yeah, you're a bully and we know it. We know people like you. We've had people like you in your life. And I need you to know in my flesh, I'm weak in this area. In God's strength, this is a strength for me. It may be that way for you. And if that's where you are, I'm going to challenge you today. And if you're not somebody who struggles in this area, I think you're going to see that you do actually struggle in this area and that God still wants to do some stuff. So he actually starts kind of, um, the, the, the section on the tongue starts uh, kind of pinpointing certain specific people and then goes wide for all of us. And so verse 1, this is pinpointing, right? So he says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that those who teach will be judged more strictly. And so he's Starting off the passage by saying, I'm going to speak specifically to a group of people. And we know this was one of Jesus' biggest issues when he was on the earth. He specifically came against the teachers of the law, the people who were in charge of the temple, those who were using their power and influence, their teaching positions, their, um, the respect they had in the community to actually, uh, in a way, control and to, um, and to use it for their own benefit. And so that can happen quite a bit. And I think when we start to think about how we should be communicating the gospel, it's very, very easy to get off on where the gospel is going and how uh, Jesus wants us to teach it. It's very easy to teach a, a pseudo-gospel in many ways. There's a lot of heresies that are very sound really good. They're things that we kind of like to hear. They're things that we want to to believe, but they're not exactly the gospel that Jesus laid out, the gospel that we see in Scripture. And it's always a temptation to preach in a way or to teach in a way that would uh, allow people to like you better um, or potentially uh, take the message in in an easier way than if you actually preach the gospel, which is really tough sometimes. The gospel is very straightforward. Essentially, the story of Christ saying all of us need to be Redeemed. There's something about that that a lot of people don't necessarily want to hear. And it actually, the Bible tells us that it is offensive to many people who are outside of the faith, who don't know Jesus. And so if we preach a, a full gospel the way that it's laid out in Scripture, it can be really hard. It can be something that either creates some, some tension in your life or that puts you at odds with some people because the gospel is at odds with some people. But it's something that we are called to do. And if we find ourselves in a teaching position, we need to be clear Right, about what the gospel is saying, and we need to be full of truth when we say it. Now, the way Jesus did things, we've talked about this a little bit, is he was 100% truth and 100% grace. And so while we teach God's word straightforwardly, very clearly, we also come alongside and love people in a very graceful way. Okay, So the gospel is actually both of those parts. So we need to 
to treat the truth very strongly, and we need to treat the loving people one another and, and showing them grace as equally as strong. And sometimes we just get off. Now, you probably on your way over here pass by a whole bunch of churches where not much is going on, right? There's uh, some sort of a, you know, a, a, a people hanging on to a building and trying to keep it alive, and it's not going well. And if you look at most churches that aren't doing well, you could go back into the history and find a place where the gospel went this way and they went this way. Okay? God calls us to make the gospel the center of what we do and to, to strongly teach it and to not back down from it and to not teach a half-truth and to not give in to the heresies that are easy to want to buy into and easy to want to hear. Um, and I think a lot of times what we see is we see of the other end of the spectrum. We have people who are very charismatic, who draw huge crowds to them, and they generally also sometimes can get off track and start to want to win people's uh, attention so much that you can also veer off of the gospel in the other direction, right? And so we have to be careful to stay very much straight down the path. And what he's saying is if you're going to be a teacher, you're going to be judged more strictly, and there's a higher level uh, of of conduct placed on you when you're standing up in front of people. That scares me a little bit. I mean, I am not a perfect person. <laughs> the more you know me, I think a lot of you guys joined this church because you were like, he's such going to be such a failure. We need to go help him. <laughs> like, a lot of you just felt bad for, for us when we came and sat down and talked with you about the church. Um, and I want you to understand, he's going to deal with this in a minute, but if you find yourself in a place where you are teaching other people, that burden of making sure that you are clearly stating the gospel and clearly loving the people that you're talking to is on you. Okay, A lot of people just sign up to be discussion leaders in small groups. It's That burden is on you, right? And here's the thing. In those small groups, if we ever have a situation where somebody's like, I don't know how to answer this question, the correct answer is, I'm going to think about this, and we're going to park it in the parking lot, and then we'll come back to it next week, and we'll talk about it again, and uh, and then come and talk to me about it, and I'll show you in Scripture where we're supposed to go in this specific situation where you're not sure. Always better to say less about something that you're not sure of than more about it and to get yourself off course, okay? So he starts with this idea that there's a different level um, of accountability for those who teach and that essentially the gospel should be the center thing and we should stay very clear on the path of what it means to preach that gospel, and, and I want you to know, one of the things that I love about our church and where we're at as a church is that every person gets a chance to be involved, right? You may have come from a place where you just, it was just so big, you just couldn't find a way to figure out how to get involved. And here, we're trying to get every person a place to where they can put their hand on the plow and watch this thing move forward and be somebody who actually takes it to the next place. And I want to, as a church, start to build up people who are teachers and I want to send those people all over the place. I want to send them out into our neighborhoods. I want to send them on missions trips. I want to send them into ministry. I think we have a couple teenagers in our midst who are going to choose the path of ministry or the path of a missionary. Right? We want to be the kind of church that equips them and gives them the truth and helps them understand it and be able to teach it and encourages them to go and follow those dreams that God has given them. Okay? And so I want you, when it says not many of you should want to become teachers, that's a warning, but I want this church to produce teachers. I want this church to produce people who understand and know God's word. So he says, verse 2, so he's like, all right, that's kind of a bummer, so let me just back up for a second. We all stumble in many ways. 
Okay? Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Right? So we're, a, we're an imperfect church for imperfect people. This is great because you have an imperfect pastor who's just going to go ahead and own that from the stage and let you know that you're welcome here. And if you, again, think you're perfect, well, like, honestly, like, there's no church out there that you're going to fit into because they're all imperfect churches for imperfect people. Some of them just don't know it. Okay? That's what we're about. And you, as you are reading this, could probably think of like the top five things that you wish you could get back that came out of your mouth, right? Like even as I say that, you're probably thinking about, oh yeah, I wish I never said that to this person. I wish I could get that one back, right? A couple of us, you know, we're like thinking about our relationships with our in-laws or a family member, a friend, a coworker, our neighbors, right? There's something that popped out of our mouth and before we knew it, that was out there and it's just sort of like toothpaste, can't get back in the tube, uh, there's a comedian uh, who talks about this, and he's like, yeah, he's like, I've learned never to ask um, a woman who I think is pregnant anything about the pregnancy. And he's like, because I was talking to this lady, and I was like, so when's the baby due? And he's like, I tried to hold it in, and then it just sounded more ridiculous as it came out. And then she looked at me and said, what baby? And he was like, uh, uh, right, you probably have... Four or five things that have happened in your life, moments where you wish you could get that word back, that phrase back, that conversation back, that you could get that back on the rails, you could go backwards, you wish you had a time machine, you could just put yourself back and say, why did I do this? Because afterwards, you find yourself just kicking yourself, maybe this is only me, all of you are looking at me like I'm crazy, maybe it's just me, my list is more than five, Um, but he says, we all stumble in many ways, anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. He says, um, your, your behavior is connected to your, your words. It's connected to your mouth. It's connected to the way that you talk to people, the way that you treat people, the way that you deal with people, that your entire life as a Christian, as someone who's following Christ, is connected to the way that you speak to people and that you're communicating with them. And that controlling our tongue is as difficult as any other thing that we do as Christians. Essentially, he's putting it on a par with any other thing that we do. So some of us, we know we have a sin that we have to overcome, and we're working on what that looks like to have freedom in that area and to choose Christ in that area. Well, that is just as difficult, if not more difficult, to control our tongue sometimes than to work on one of those things. And I think sometimes we think it goes in the opposite direction. I'll become more like Jesus, and then my words will come with me, when in reality, I think he's saying it's the opposite. Your words start to go to be more like Jesus, and the rest of your actions go with go with you. That if you find a way to tame your tongue, you are on your way to uh, sanctification. You're on your way to becoming more like Jesus. And I, uh, I was in a grocery store a couple uh, of months ago, and there was a woman there. She was in front of me. And it was one of those mornings uh, or one of those times where I just had a couple items. There was, it was at Walmart. There was nothing open. They had closed down the self-checkout. That's my go-to, self-checkout, right? I want to get in and out. So I'm in this line, and there's this lady ahead of me, and she's got a cart full of stuff, and she's got a two-year-old in the car and like a three-year-old who's just really busy like standing next to her in line. And she's going through and they do, she ends up doing like three transactions, right? And so, you know, the whole time you're like, oh, come on. Like, so one of them she's writing a check for and you're like, dude, what is this? 1982, you write checks? Like, come on, this is what, debit card, it's the same as a check, just write it in your thing. Like, it's not a, and then she used another card and another thing and used cash for some of it. And I realized this is a woman who was using food stamps and her own money and another public assistance thing. And I started to think, 
like, okay, I could be really upset that this is taking like 45 minutes, or I could do something else. So what did I do? I looked at the three-year-old who was really busy and getting into everything and started playing with the kid. Because in my mind, it's like, okay, I could stand here and grumble and complain, and I could use my words to just make this a worse situation, to make her feel more uh, like, you know, to more under the lights, more that people are watching. The person behind me is freaking out, right? And so I start playing with this kid, and I grab the scanner from the other register, and we just started running around scanning everything. It was awesome. <laughs> and the mom was like, I don't know what's going on, but this kid is not bothering me right now. Go for it. And we got to the end. And I had like three items. She's still packing up her cart, trying to get these two unruly kids out the door. And she's like, you know, thank you so much for, for what you did. And, but then you get a chance to use your words again in that moment. So your actions did something, but then your words do something. And I just said like, look, I was like, the struggle is real. That's what I said to her. I was like, I know. I have a toddler myself. I know how hard it can be. I, we checked out. I said to her, uh, you know, uh, is there, do you need help putting your stuff in the car? I walked her out to the car, put her stuff in the car while she's strapped in two kids, which is a big pain in the butt, right? Your words in that moment can connect you with that person and help that relationship go somewhere where it wasn't going to go. I could have been annoyed. I could have, you know, said, like, come on, let's go. What's going on here? This is so stupid. Like, it was the person behind me was doing, right? But I just acted like a shield in that moment. I just kind of kept them away, kept the kid busy, let this lady get through what she was doing. And that's what it looks like to use your words to build people up, not to tear them down. And he's saying, look, we all stumble. No one is perfect, right? But if you start to get a hold of your words, you start to see the fruit of that in your relationships with people, right? For me to be able to say to her at the end, like, hey, man, like, I think everybody's just in too much of a hurry. It's fine. It's totally fine. What do I, I have another 10 minutes? No big deal, right? I mean, that is building a relationship and using your words to do that, okay? So, if your words start to act the way that Christ wants you to act, your body starts to go with your words. And we'll, we'll look at a little bit more of that in a minute. So he says, the next verse, when we put bits into the mouths of horses and make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and they're driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. So, like, I don't know anything about horseback riding. I did it one time, and I'm pretty sure the horse was very happy when I got off of its back, right? Uh, coffee, that was the name of the horse. It was pretty great. Uh, I don't know how that works. I know I pull on the reins, and the, the horse is, we, we somehow figured out how to domesticate a gigantic animal that could trample us with just a little tiny thing. That's what James is saying. He's like, we, we put all this wood together, and it floats and we stay alive in a storm on the ocean, and this whole thing is controlled by just a little rudder. Like, we figured all this out, and it's controlled, but we still can't quite figure out what this looks like to get our tongues in check. And don't we understand that when our tongues are in check, it guides our whole life in the right direction. We have it backwards if we think our actions get in check, and then our mouths come with us. We get our mouths going in the right direction, and our body, our actions the way that we live goes with us. He's saying this very small thing is the key to growing and becoming more like Christ. Like, it's not just those of us who struggle with it. It's all of us. If we were to leverage our words in a way that built God's kingdom, we would be allowing that rudder to guide us in the direction that Jesus wants us to go. He goes on. He says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. 
It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. This is James for you. By the way, I don't know uh, what is, is it cross stitch, you know, or like pillows that have, like, I don't understand why I don't go into more people's houses and see that on a pillow, right? (laughs) It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on hell, set on fire by hell. Like, that feels like it should be a greeting card, a Christian greeting card, right, that goes out to people like, hey, man, like, (laughs) hope you're doing okay, you know, and it's got that on the front of it, you know, like, share that on Facebook this week, like, in a nice little meme, like, it's... Uh, Probably not something we would really want to think about, but James is like so strong on this. He continues, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Happy birthday. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Next time, just actually just reference the, the verse and see if they ever look it up. They'll be like, why did you put that in my card? He's like, take this seriously. Don't you understand that like, this is a huge deal? That in fact, if you don't get a hold of your words, that it can burn your whole life to the ground. That it can burn your relationships to the ground. That it can burn your family to the ground, your marriages to the ground, you know, your, your, uh, your coworkers, the relationships you have with them, your neighbors, your family members. That if you don't get control of your words, it can burn all of those things to the ground. And we have to be sober when we look at this and understand this is a huge deal. James is, he, in one way, he's encouraging the church and he's, and he's starting to try to move from, hey, you have all this personal stuff going on in your life and I want you to look at this and deal with this and be sure you're in, you know, in the faith. And this is almost a transition to say, like, uh, we're going to start talking about what it looks like to have the, the right uh, concepts as a church. That, in fact, if you don't get your uh, your mouths under control, your church won't be built in a way where it will withstand some of the things that are going to happen. Your relationships won't be built in such a way where they'll be able to withstand some of the difficulties in life. Your marriages won't be built that way. Your relationships with your coworkers won't be built that way. That you can burn all those things to the ground unless you're focused on making sure that you are communicating the gospel to people in your life. We can tame all of these animals. Somehow we can tame, you know, lions and, you know, we can tame whales and we can tame these huge, gigantic animals. And he's saying we can't even tame our own tongue. Which, by the way, if you're a lion trainer, like, don't we all know you're going to eventually die by getting eaten by the lion? Like, that's a thing, right? He's saying we can do this, but we can't even tame our own tongue. That's actually more difficult than it is to tame a wild animal. You're like, man, it doesn't feel that way. Well, this is what James is saying. He's saying all of us deal with this. And this is the, a, a key component to all of these relationships that we're, being, you know, that we're in, all of these things that God's calling us to, that essentially loose lips sink ships, right? That if we don't get control of our words, then it's going to lead to things being burned down, things crashing, things not working. Right? This is what it says in Proverbs 15.4. Our words build, sorry, sorry, this is what it says in Proverbs 15.4. He says, God's words create. Our words destroy. It says, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And I don't know if you've thought about this, but if you even think about how things were created and how powerful words are, words are what God used to create every single thing that has come into existence. 
Words were the thing that Jesus used to communicate the truth of the gospel. And then he showed it to us what it looked like by going to the cross. Right? Words are the thing that leads into the action. They're the things that help us understand what's happening. They're the things that draw us into people and build in our lives. They're the things that also destroy and separate us from each other. That if we get control of our words, of our mouths, of our tongue, then we find ourselves building the way that God built and not destroying the way that Satan destroys. You might be standing back and you're like, well, I don't know if this is a really big problem for me. I don't say much. I'm a stoic Minnesotan. You might not say much with your words, but trust me, you're communicating. We communicate passive-aggressively. If you're younger, you communicate with your fingers on all kinds of apps and messages and things. We use words. Sometimes we don't say them, but we use them. We let people understand how we feel. We communicate to them. And sometimes we think that we're not, you know, we're, we're technically okay. We haven't broken any of God's law, but essentially we've done the same thing. That our words can build, they can destroy. And so the question is, what is your response? Because I think there's, there's a, a chance for us sometimes to sort of justify. You're like, yeah, I understand. But really, the only time where my words get out of control is when that idiot cuts me off. And it's his fault. He deserves it. Or, hey, the only time I get out of control is when, you know, this certain thing happens to me and I don't know, you know, how to handle it. And you know what? If that wasn't going on, it's this person's fault. We justify the things that we do. We say it's okay because of whatever, whatever, whatever. Or you're more obnoxious, right? You, you're elbowing the person next to you telling them to pay attention to it, okay? This is something James says we're all dealing with at different varying degrees. Now, getting control of our tongue will lead us towards the life that God has called us to, right? Our response should be more like Isaiah. He comes into God's presence. He says, woe is me, I cried. I am ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Like, that's what it looks like to actually say, I, there's something going on here that I need to take control of, and I need to walk in freedom in, and I need to use these words to build and not destroy. I need to use these words the way that God uses them to build his kingdom, to build his creation, to build his people, instead of to destroy those things and to light my whole life on fire. You may think that you're good, but I guarantee you there's somewhere in your life where your words can come into um, more submission to what God has called you to. He goes on, he says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So he says, stop playing this game. You essentially are what you are creating. Be aware that the fruit in your life is who you are. So if you're creating the fruit of the Spirit, peace, joy, pace, peace, joy, pace, pace. If you're creating pace in your life, that's what we're going with. Uh, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. You're creating those kinds of things in your life, right? Then, then you are a fruit tree that is creating fruit. You are an apple tree that is creating an apple. He says, take a look at your life and judge yourself. See the fruit that's in your life and understand that you are that thing. Enough saying I'm a freshwater spring when you're spewing salt water. Enough saying that I'm, I don't know anything about figs and, you know, whatever. But saying, don't tell us that you're an apple tree when you're bearing oranges. 
Take a look at your life. Take a look at it. And by the way, he calls us, not in this passage, but Paul calls us to judge each other. You're like, no, Jesus says don't judge. Jesus says don't judge those who are outside of the faith. Paul says, go ahead and look at the fruit in people's lives and judge away in love. Challenge your brothers and sisters to live out the life that God has called us to live. Take a look at your own self and help other people see that they are the thing that they are producing. And if they want to be more like Christ, then they have to bring their mouth, their words, their lips, their tongue into submission to, to God's will. James is essentially diagnosing us. He says, you know, Dr. James says, come on into the office, stick out your tongue. I'm going to compare it to the word of God. We look at it. You know, when the doctor looks at your tongue, he's not really looking at your tongue, right? He's looking to see if you have an infection. Okay, this is what James is doing. He's telling us we have a problem. He's diagnosing us with an issue. He's saying, stick out your tongue, take a look at the word of God. Let's see how these things match up. There's something going on here that's messed up, right? And the thing that he tells us is that we actually have a heart problem. Okay, so here, here's, the, here's the thing. I think a lot of us will walk out of this and we'll go, you know, I really need to get control of the way that I speak to my, and fill in the blank, whoever's hardest for you, my boss, my mother-in-law, those are some hard ones in a lot of people's lives, my, uh, my friend, my coworker, my, my sister, brother, like I need to get control of how I speak. And what we'll do, right, is we'll, you know, uh, find a way to train ourselves to say the thing that we're supposed to say, right? So we put the rubber band on the wrist and we snap it every time we say something. We're not, we put the dollar in the jar and we swear in front of our kids, you know, like whatever. Uh, we, you know, we have an outburst with our spouse and, you know, we, you know, we'll find a way to force ourselves to start saying the right things and to train ourselves, you know, wash the kid's mouth out with soap. I don't think you can do that anymore. Um, it's probably illegal. But, but we'll find human ways to try to change the things that come out of us. And what James is getting at here is he's saying, look, I'm going to diagnose you. Let me see your tongue. You actually have a heart problem. This, this is what Jesus says about words that come out of our mouth. He, right, he says, um, for, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out into, of the good that's stored up in him. And an evil man brings out evil things out of the evil that is stored up in him. Jesus says, look, you could try harder. That's fine. That's not the gospel. Go ahead and try harder. There's plenty of churches out there that will tell you try harder. Do it in your own strength. Get a planner. Write some stuff down. Make a bunch, a list of steps. Right? Go home. Get the, the thing on your, snap it. You know, put the money in the jar. Like, you know, get some sort of punishment and reward in your life for saying the right things. And we miss the gospel. What Jesus says and what James is getting at here is that in order to speak the way that God has called you to, you need a heart transplant. You need to say, this is not working. Inside of me, the thing that I have, my will, the heart that I have is not the thing that God wants me to have. And I need to take this and transfer my trust into Christ and receive what he has for me. And then I can start to become the person that he wants me to be through my relationship with his Holy Spirit. This is not about efforting to try harder. This is about changing your life by responding to Jesus and his gospel. James is clear about this. Go home and try harder is not the answer to what he's saying. He's saying change your heart. The things that come out of you come out of your heart. When you have that rage moment with that person, it came out of your heart. When you say that thing off the cuff, cynically, that ruins that relationship, that came out of your heart. When you can't control what you say to your mother-in-law in that moment, it came out of your heart. When you lose it with your kids or your spouse, that came out of your heart. 
And he's saying, I need this heart to change so that my words can change, so that my life can change. This is the story of the gospel. This is the, you don't have inside of you what you need to do what God has called you to do. It's when we transfer our trust into Christ that we start to live the life that he's called us to. It's not about just trying harder. Now, those things aren't bad, I suppose. It keeps your mind on what God has called you to. But unless you've received him, unless he's changed your heart, you won't win this battle. You might win it for a time. You know, you might stop saying a certain word or certain thing, but there's still things in your heart that will come out in that moment of weakness. You have a heart issue. And will you allow God to change your heart so that your words will change and your life will change? That's what James is getting at. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. I'm going to ask you to think about the places where you might struggle in your own life, controlling your own words in certain situations, at work, at home, with your kids or your wife or your your husband, in that relationship that you have with a family member or a friend. Where is God calling you to, to find more of him and to use words that build his kingdom and build his people? And what would it look like for you to transfer that to Jesus and to receive his, uh, his new heart for you so that you can use your words in a way that builds his kingdom and builds his relationships. And so I want to just give you a minute. I want you to ask God to help you to walk through that specific situation that God is, is calling you to. Say, God, I, I want to hand this over to you and I, and I need you to, to do this because what's in my heart is, is something that I can't necessarily control and I need your gospel, your change, your good news to be part of my life so that way I can uh, speak the way you've called me to. So I'm going to give you a minute, and I want you to just, between you and God, have that conversation.